Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. Honestly, the Cubs were a lot more tender than the mama bear. They are better to eat. And Brandon Schultz. If you're predicting 5-11, and 11, you are back on the Russell Wilson's Not Good Sauce. Go Hawks! This is episode 210 of the Seahawkers Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. And joining me, my good buddy and Montana Seahawker, Adam Emmert. Not going to lie, Brandon, I'm way more fired up for episode 210 than I was for 209. Training camp's here. I saw dudes. I saw helmets and pads. saw guys doing football things. It was great. To be honest, I didn't want to do the last show at all. And then we had to do it twice. (laughs) And then it still didn't work out. Yeah, then it still didn't work out, right? Yeah, we still had to do the emergency audio, so whatever. That that episode was just cursed all the way around. And I think it has to do with the 49ers stink that uh, that came with that. Not that Oscar's a bad guy, but his team is the worst. Right. So, on to, on to a, uh, a better episode, in my opinion, because, man, watching training camp just a little bit, even though I don't like the new way they cover it, was still pretty awesome. Training camp, we got to see Pete Carroll talking in his post-camp presser. And the other thing we're going to be talking about, concluding our Know Your Rival series, bringing on former Arizona Cardinals punter and co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast, Drew Butler. I'll be interested to hear uh, kind of his thoughts on the cards. You know, obviously, I feel like it's going to be a tough year for him. I'm curious if he kind of shares those uh, those views. But uh, yeah, we'll see. He's more down on the Cardinals than I was. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) And actually, I'm a little bit higher on the Cardinals than most people, but we'll get into that. We have a a Prisco's World segment this week to get into as well. This is going to be a big show. Uh, Big-ish. Yeah. (laughs) Well, before we get into training camp, Adam, you should let folks know that you only have until July 31st to nominate us for the 13th Annual Podcast Awards deadline coming up soon. And we want to be among the finalists for the third straight year. Yeah. Don't screw this up, guys. Podcastawards.com. Let's do it. Yeah. If we, if we, if, but if we don't win, we'll be one uh, year closer to being the Buffalo Bills of podcasting. If we go like four years in a row and don't win, I guess it's kind of like making the playoffs, though, which is still a win. I'll take it. Yeah. You know, so I'll take training camp. It's here. Yes. Golly, that was good to see. Did that not, did that not get the juices flowing a little bit for you? Just a little bit. It always does. The first day of training camp, the first game, preseason game against the Colts is just a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. Heard the announcement that Andrew Luck is supposed to actually play in that game. Yes, he's back. Are they going to play with a full-size football? <laughs> Not a Nerf football? No, he's been using like the junior-size football. Oh, I don't yeah. think they can sub out smaller footballs for the preseason. No? don't think okay well i I, you never know you never know you used to be able to deflate footballs too so well tom brady ruined that for everybody so do you have any did you have any takeaways from day one of training camp personally other than just maybe some of your personal feelings or whatever you know what it got me more excited about i've i've been so focused on the subtractions from the offseason thank you i've kind of forgotten about a lot of the additions and even just the rookies yeah, I, that was, to be honest, after sitting and watching it for about an hour, I'm far more excited about this roster just thinking about the amount of talent that's there. It's not nearly as doom and gloom as it has kind of seemed all offseason because all we've been barraged with is 
all these you know Debbie Downer headlines about how they lost everybody and it's all over and it's curtains. Yeah. And then to kind of see the the actual squad that we have out there, you sit there thinking to yourself and you're like, damn, this is actually a pretty decent squad. Well, especially along the defensive line. And we did get news in yes. the press conference that it sounds like Deion Jordan uh, has a new injury and he's going to be out a few weeks. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Oh, Frank Clark also had surgery on his hand uh, last month or this right. month, and he's coming back from that. But those things considered, I look down the depth chart of the defensive line and I see quite a bit of potential. You know, you, you still have Jaron Reed and Naj Jones in the middle. You get Tom Johnson and Shamar Steven from the Vikings. You got Puna Ford, the undrafted free agent that mm-hmm. a lot of people are excited about. And you still have Quentin Jefferson. Yes. And then there's on the defensive ends, you have Brandon Jackson, who had a, a he had some good games last year. Mm-hmm. Kind of interested to see what he'll do. Uh, you got Marcus Smith. You got Rasheem Green, who was drafted in the third round. That's kind of the guy that popped up on the screen that got me real excited. Rasheem like, Green? I, yeah, yeah, because I had almost complete with all this off season nonsense, right? I'd almost completely forgot that we also drafted Rasheem Green. It's, like he's a real player, I think. <laughs> like I'm, ex- I've that was one of the guys I was more excited about coming out of the draft, and I'd almost completely forgotten that he's there. Right, like it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's it's weird that we both had the same feeling without uh... <laughs> without talking about this prior. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, to me, it was looking at the corners. Just that right there, like I felt pretty damn good about that. I mean, do you as a as a human being, do you believe that Shaquille Griffin can provide eighty five percent of peak Richard Sherman? I would think so. If they're that confident on moving on from Sherman, then you'd think that the team has to be too. Based on his play last year, I would say that's highly probable. And also having that full off season in an NFL program, usually that big jump is from year one to year two. I have I have extreme confidence in Shaquille Griffin. And then the idea of Byron Maxwell being out there on the right side, I know exactly what Byron Maxwell does when he plays right corner for the Seahawks. He's a high level two corner mm-hmm. as your number two corner. And, you know, strips of balls, a ball hawk. I, I love Byron Maxwell. I think about, you know, those two guys there. I'm like, dang, that's pretty good. Oh, and let's not forget Justin Coleman, who played his butt off in the slot last year. He was one of the better corners we had on the team all year last year. Yeah, he's a guy that you wonder if he might try and compete with Byron Maxwell for starting time. Possibly, although I really like him in the slot. So sure. I don't know that I want to move him from there. And then to round that out, Nico Thorpe, who played well in spurts last year. And that's not to mention all of the young dudes that we drafted last year. Like, thank goodness we drafted a million DBs in the in the draft in uh, 2017. Yeah. The, the one other piece of bad news, DeAndre Elliott failed his physical, so he was waived with a fail, failed physical. That doesn't really concern I me. Know. Some people were, were thinking that he might be a, a sleeper well, candidate of, there. I think Nico Thorpe. Lots of people think lots of things. I still like Nico Thorpe uh, and his potential. We, we heard Pete Carroll yeah. talk about him as a guy who... He saw as more of an up-and-coming player, kind of the way Byron Maxwell was early on in his career. Mm-hmm. Trey Flowers, another guy that they drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. Let us not forget the physically gifted Trey Flowers. So the big question really is on the back end, where you have Bradley McDougal and then Earl Thomas. Is it a question? Well, it's a question of whether or not, you know, how long he could hold out. Yeah, but he's a Seahawk, right? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, well, so Earl Thomas is a Seahawk. That's all I needed to hear. Well, you know, the, the latest reports were from the Cowboys beat writer saying that he went to the Raiders and uh, was saying the same thing that he said to the Cowboys and come get me. Oh, sure. You know, I will give the Dallas Cowboys uh, reporters. Um, well, it's not so much credit, but just kind of like a your behavior disgusts me, but I kind of respect it just because you have so much cojones to go ahead and do it. They'll make any sort of shit up anything. They don't even care. They'll take that. They'll, they'll, they'll blow anything unbelievably out of proportion. It yeah. just zero catfish. It's given when they do it. Yeah. It's a, the brazenness of it is I'm almost, I'm almost impressed. And then word comes out this week that they talked to the Cowboys and the Cowboys hadn't had any discussions with the Seahawks since the draft. Oh, okay. Well, so it's imminent, all those then. stories, all those stories, all off season. Oh, trade talks are heating up again between the Cowboys and Seahawks. Those were bullshit. Fish. Not saying they are, but uh, they probably were. Oh, wow. Stunner. Uh, so, yeah, as far as the back end, is it really uh, that much of a question mark? I know exactly what I get from Bradley McDougal. Sure. Uh, yeah, a very solid uh, starting strong safety. Like He's not going to be one of the top five in the league. But he's definitely not near the bottom either. Like he is a very serviceable starter who plays hard and is, uh, by all accounts, somebody that everybody looks up to. And then I definitely know what I get with Earl Thomas, which is all world. That feels pretty good. Not to mention the linebackers. Yeah, I don't even think we need to mention the linebackers because you have KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, and then you have Pete Carroll talking highly about Jacob Martin in his first Mm -hmm. day of camp. Uh, you have DJ Alexander that they had last year. He'll be coming back. And Barkevius Mingo, the former first round draft pick who was signed from the Colts. Yeah. And Shaquem. Yeah. Behind KJ Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Because DJ Alexander supposedly competing with Shaquem behind KJ Wright. Oh, okay. Got Emmanuel Beal from, from Oklahoma, the undrafted guy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of guys that could step into that position of strong side linebacker and have a resurgence in their career. Like I trust Pete when it comes to the defense to put it all together. And probably the biggest part where people are wringing their hands is with the pass rush. But I see guys there that can get that done. And then you look at the offense and everybody's like, oh, they lost all this stuff. And well, what did we lose on offense again? You lost Richardson and Graham. Who was barely on the field and got wildly overpaid to to go to Washington. Bye-bye. We can find that production somewhere else. I'm not worried about that. And then Jimmy, who sure he cut touchdowns, but it wasn't like, did you ever get the feeling that Jimmy Graham was dominating a game at any given point? Or did he just end up running a route in the end zone and Russ stuck it on him? That, that more the latter, yeah. Right. So basically... That means just about anybody could do that. Like Brandon Marshall. Correct. Or any of the tight ends on the roster. And and you get the blocking out of those guys. That's the other thing, man. Just thinking about the blocking on this team this year. It's going to be better. It has to be, right? I feel so much better about this year's group than I did last year's. I know it doesn't even look that... Well, at this time of year, this looks completely different. Yeah. You give me Dwayne Brown. You give me Posick, who's a high draft pick, and now he has a full off season. You give me one of the best centers in the in the league, and Justin Britt. You give me Fluker, the road grader, and you give me a, a real coach to coach a Fetty, 
and then I've got three tight ends that you can trot out there who can block? Hells yeah. That sounds like a way to get back to the running game. Oh, and we're playing around with a fullback again? That sounds nice. I'm looking forward to that. Not only that, I mean, think about the blocking in pass protection. Ed Dixon rated the highest uh, blocking tight end in the pass game last year. Has a groin injury. He's going to be out a couple weeks. That's fine. I don't need him in the next couple weeks. I need him week one. Right. All these little uh, knick-knacky injuries. As long as they're not big injuries, like these little, uh, you know, slight groin here, you know, hand surgery there, you know, just a couple week thing. That's fine. None of that stuff concerns me. I think the the two places of biggest concern, I mean, we're always going to be concerned about the offensive line because we haven't seen production there yet, is the pass rush and wide receiver depth. I have zero concern with the wide receiver depth. I think that's an overblown story that makes no sense in the world. To me. Well, I'm not as concerned about it because when you have Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, and then, you know, potentially Brandon Marshall, Jerome Brown, those yeah. four guys I'm fine with. And well, how not only that, but but you're missing the number one thing what we have. We have Russell Carrington Wilson, <laughs> right? Who makes guys better. Yeah, that guy's pretty good. I've heard of him. Right. Although only a tier two quarterback from reports, apparently. Well, Colin Cowherd does a really good job of taking that apart. Yeah. Because it, it's super simple. When you have a top tier quarterback like we do in Russell Wilson, he makes it. It doesn't matter who you trot out there for the most part. He needs maybe two solid weapons and the rest. He'll just get it done. And we have that. We have Doug Baldwin. We have Tyler Lockett. I don't have any problems with the receiving core. None. It's going to be a, a million percent fine. When you mentioned the right tackle and Jermaine Effetti, uh, why did you not mention George Fant? Because everybody's counting because on him Because he's not going right to play right tackle. No, it's true. Pete Carroll said that he he doesn't see him. He said he could compete at right tackle, but since he doesn't have the experience, it sounds more like he's going to back up Dwayne Brown. Oh, so they're going to keep players in situations that they've done before and use their prior experience to build on to make them better? Yeah, Mike Solari's making this line better already. I love I love that they're keeping guys at certain positions instead of all this cross-training nonsense. I, I had a fit about that last yeah. year. Keep Posick at left guard, where yep. he had some success last year. Mm-hmm. Justin Britt, clearly, he's finding his role at the center spot. So here's the other reason I'm optimistic, Brandon. I went back and I looked, because this team that is decimated, that everybody's left and there's no stars on it, right? Like, that's the narrative all offseason? Oh, yeah. That was the same team, I would argue, that played from the Thursday night massacre against the Cardinals all the way through the end of the season. Let's look about how they played after the Thursday night massacre and what that could look like going forward. Lots of people are predicting the Seahawks to have even a losing record, correct? Oh, lots of people. Okay. So after the Thursday night massacre, or including the Thursday night massacre, and all the way through the end of the season. That was the game this, against Arizona where we lost Cam Chancellor. We lost Richard Sherman. Yep. Week 10. So including that week, we went four and four down the stretch. Okay. Okay. We went four and four. You know how many times the Seahawks got blowed out? Once against the Rams. Once against the Rams. Every other game of the four losses were a one score game. Guess what? Two of those losses could be blamed on either the coach or the kicker. Falcons, so out of all those, the Falcons game with the coach, the correct? kicker against the Which skins. Which you can still blame the kicker, too. He missed the 52-yarder at the end. Sure. Yeah. It's 52 yards, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Skins game. 
Well, that was before then. Oh, that was before. The last game of the year, the cards game. Cards game. So two out of their half of their losses should have been wins. Even with all of the the star players gone, this decimated team. So it was the Rams and what was the other game? We lost to the Jags by six because Blake Bortles had the game of his freaking life. Yes, that's right. And the Seahawks actually had a really good comeback in that game and almost came all the way back. That's correct. 24 to 30. Yeah. So you're telling me this same team that's had an entire offseason to get some of the young guys that plug those holes a little more experience and better through a whole offseason. That same team that uh, has added a few guys through free agency. That same team who added guys through the draft has changed their offensive line philosophy, which was the biggest problem by far. You're telling me that they're going to be worse than 500 that they finished down the stretch? If Russell Wilson stays healthy, it seems like 8-8 eight and eight would be the floor. And you look at any team in the past who's had a franchise quarterback, even look at Drew Brees when their Saints defense was terrible. The worst yeah. defense in the league. They still finished 7-9. and nine. And it, despite all of that, despite everything that happened, the, fi- the Seahawks finished 11th in scoring on offense and 13th on defense. Well, even with all of that. New coordinators this year. Yeah, I know. And on top of that, you got new coordinators, which apparently Shoddy did not get the memo about the visor. He was trotting around out there still with the visor still doing dances. Visor. I was I was really disappointed. When I look at that, I have a hard time seeing a team that is as bad as all the national pundits want to predict it to be. Oh, did I mention in that time frame after this Thursday night massacre, one of their wins was a 24 to 10 win over the Carson Wentz led Eventual champion, Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah. Oh, right. This team stinks. (laughs) Holding the Super Bowl champs with the the MVP frontrunner and Carson Mm -hmm. Wentz at the time, the Mm -hmm. 10 points. Right. After the defense was decimated. And let's not forget, Bobby uh, Bobby Wagner was injured right around in there and had a couple rough games because he wasn't full Bobby Wagner yet. Yeah, that Rams game was rough. I look at this team and I'm full of optimism. I mean... Look, and on top of all that, like we didn't even when we went through all the positions, we didn't even talk about kicker. We got <laughs> rid of the dude who cost us three games and we brought in Seabass. That's objectively better, is it not? Absolutely. If, if, if I if I right now, Brandon, it was what, pick which daughter you like the least. <laughs> and it was this kicker had to make a 53 yard kick to save your daughter's life. Like you yeah, it has to happen, right? Give me would any pick, name other than Blair Walsh, and I feel better about it. Would you take Blair Walsh <laughs> or future Hall of Famer Sebastian Janikowski? I'll take, I'll, look, I'll take Norm Johnson at his age right now over yes. Blair Walsh. That's fair. That's fair. So I, the way I'm, I'm looking at this, man, I, and I see that it's just, I feel pretty damn good about this roster. This is improved from where we finished last year. It's all doom and gloom, Adam. You don't understand. Right. I forgot. Malik McDowell's gone. He was never here. They waived him. Cam Chancellor put on the PUP list. Yeah, he was gone from the Thursday Night Massacre. That's all bad news. Why why are you trying to make this sound better than it is? Yeah, all that news, all that news, I still knew back on November 9th of last year. Things have changed since then. That's true. I don't know, man. Training camp got me fired up. I can tell. Well, I think we'll get more into our 2018 expectations in the next show. But uh, for now, let's get into our interview with Drew Butler. Sounds like a plan. 
And continuing our Know Your Rival series with the Arizona Cardinals, we welcome on former Arizona Cardinals punter Drew Butler, uh, two-time first-team All-American at Georgia and the 2009 recipient of the Ray Guy Award given to the most outstanding punter in college football. And he's also the co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast with CBS Sports Analyst Aaron Murray. Drew, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Hope you all are doing well. Doing very well. Uh, one of the things about this offseason, Drew, Arizona Cardinals and uh, Seattle Seahawks are seemingly getting lumped in together here at the with the expectation that we're going to finish toward the bottom of the division. At, at one point in time, not too long ago, Cardinals and Seahawks were the two top teams going at it for the top of the division. Yeah, for sure. You know, through 14, 15, 16, and even through last year for a bit, the Seahawks and Cardinals were certainly the class of the NFC West. That was a great rivalry there with a lot of top tier players and a lot of battles in Phoenix and in Seattle. But these things change, you know, NFL is very cyclical and it seems like the Rams are the overwhelming favorite to win the NFC West. The 49ers are a hot team that a lot of people are talking about right now. But I don't think you can ever really count out Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Those guys know how to win football games. On the flip side, Arizona really going through a rebuilding stage right now. New head coach and Steve Wilkes, new quarterback and a lot of new faces for the Cardinals. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out this season in the NFC West. Well, and you touched on the major changes right there, right? Bruce Arians retiring has to be the biggest one. I I know just as a Seahawks fan, Bruce Arians was one of the coaches that we really love to hate, you know, right up there with Jim Harbaugh. uh, You know, we made fun of Arians hats and the way that he would sometimes pass the blame along to players. We like to, we like to poke fun at that a little bit. So, uh, I don't know if we can do that with Steve Wilkes, though. I, I don't know as much about, about this guy. Yeah, neither do I, really. You know, I obviously have a lot of friends still on the Arizona team, and they like him. They say it's a lot different than B.A. You know, B.A. was certainly a, a player's coach. I think everybody understood that that was his last job. So he was going all or nothing, and that's kind of the mentality that everybody took when you walked into the building. You know, I was there 14, 15, and 16, so I was on that team that made it to the – NFC championship game and won the NFC West. And and that was a really, really fun season. But B.A. kind of did things his own way and everybody really bought in. I I think it was pretty obvious that once he retired, Carson was going to hang him up as well. I didn't expect to see Carson try to play for another head coach and learn another offense. So kind of that regime change might be good for Arizona, but it might take a few years rather than the quick success that Bruce Arians had. Now, Carson Palmer retires. Really, the whole quarterback room turns over, right? Carson Palmer goes. Drew Stanton goes to the Browns. Blaine Gabbert goes to the Titans. And the Cardinals sign Sam Bradford from Minnesota. They get Mike Lennon from Chicago. And then they draft Josh Rosen with the 10th pick in the draft. It's completely turned over. And do you have any idea of how things might go uh, in that quarterback battle among those three? You know, I, I really I really don't. You, they make the early move to get Mike Glennon, and that was kind of surprising to me, obviously, because Glennon signed that huge deal with Chicago just a year ago. And then they go Sam Bradford, which kind of scratched my head as well, a guy who's battled injuries. I don't think anybody can really debate um, how good he is when he's healthy. He just hasn't been healthy enough. And then Josh Rosen really falling into their lap. In the NFL draft, they had to move up, make that trade with the Raiders, but I guess that's who they think will be the quarterback of the future. And if you look at some of the pundits and how they reviewed this season's draft, they say Rosen has a good chance to be the best guy out of that draft class. So we'll see. I would be really interested to see how they 
approach the quarterback situation depending on you know the first four to six games of the season and how that goes. How do you feel about Rosen? Because I know a lot of people were saying, and I looked at the guys coming out on the draft. I'm not a quarterback expert, but I looked at Rosen and he looked the most like an NFL quarterback of the guys. Uh, I really like Baker Mayfield being an OU guy, but really uh, there was no standout candidate among the quarterbacks that you could really point to and say, this is the guy I know will succeed in the NFL. Yeah, we talk a lot about it on, on our podcast, Punt and Pass. Aaron Murray, obviously, being a quarterback himself, he really liked Baker Mayfield, even though we're about Georgia guys, and Baker lit up the Bulldogs in the Rose Bowl last year. But he spoke about Josh Rosen being the most pro-ready out of that group. I had my questions about Sam Darnold just because of how many times he turned the ball over at USC. Um, from a personality standpoint, I like Rosen. You know, I like his brashness. I like his confidence. Sam Darnold maybe seems a bit too chill for me. Uh, I really do like the cut of Baker Mayfield's jib. I think those guys have the competitive blood flow to certainly make it in the NFL as a quarterback. It's only time going to tell. I mean, fortunately for a guy like Josh Rosen, he's got David Johnson in the backfield. He's got Larry Fitzgerald out wide. A pretty decent offensive line, I would say. So, you know, it's just everybody's going to find out at the same time how well he can adapt to the NFL. And how about Larry Fitzgerald, man? Uh, still in oh, the league the after all these years. Uh, <laughs> if I know every Seahawks fan I know, it, you know, as much as they you know, we dislike our, our rivals of another team, there is nobody that dislikes Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I think across the board, I, I can't find anybody that has a bad word to say about Larry professionally or personally, Larry is just one of the all-time best guys and one of the all-time best wide receivers in NFL history. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That is non-negotiable, I believe. And the fact that he has maintained such a high level so late into his career just goes to show how committed he is to his craft and just how good he really is. And David Johnson, there was a question of whether or not he'd report uh, to training camp, maybe hold out. Uh, He held out a mini camp earlier this year, but it looks like he's going to be a camp. And with just one year left on his deal, that's a really tough situation because we see the way things have gone in the pros with running backs. Uh, We see it with Le'Veon Bell, right? With the Steelers, they they don't want to pay out a long term deal. Todd Gurley, one of the guys who who just got a long term deal with the Rams, Do you think we see a long-term deal with David Johnson, or are they going to play that same kind of game that the Steelers are playing with Le'Veon Bell? I I would guess that you probably will see a long-term deal with David in Arizona just because of the the coaching regime and the the youthness of Josh Rosen, right? They want to get somebody in there who can be with Josh for the next four to five years. The thing about David, as as you just mentioned, he is going into the last year of his rookie deal, and he would obviously want an extension, but that's going to put him right around that 29 to 30 year old range. Everybody knows that an organization doesn't want to pay a running back after 30 and a running back knows right now that his value goes extremely down when he turns 30. So with Todd Gurley resetting back market with a huge deal for, I believe, $16 million a year. That kind of shows where David and Le'Veon would want their money to be because they're both so dynamic running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. I would expect them to kind of iron something out probably when Steve Kine gets back from his suspension because he will be gone all of training camp, which certainly slows things down. Oh, that's right. Five weeks for his uh, DUI offense. And that's, you know, there's been a couple interesting 
points of news in the in the Cardinals organization this offseason with Steve Kime. Then you have everybody on the political side getting upset over uh, a news release that the Cardinals put put out about the owner uh, having gone to class with the uh, Supreme Court nominee. And and somehow people taking that as uh, him supporting his <laughs> his former classmate as being political, uh, been been a little bit of an interesting time for the Cardinals. For sure, you know I think they probably want some good news to be put out with training camp going on. You know, you mentioned the Steve Kime uh, offense, the DUI arrest over Fourth of July weekend, and then the Michael Bidwell thing. I mean, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Throw politics aside, I think it's pretty remarkable that he went to class with one of nine people in America, and I took it as, hey, politics aside, I support this guy. He's a great guy, and uh, you know, I didn't see why everybody got so outraged over it. But certainly, in this day and age, and this climate on social media, it was not taken well by the public well it, it's exactly what it is it's, it's social media drew <laughs> that's, that's where we <laughs> oh, yeah. put our outrage <laughs> absolutely but uh continuing on offense i think the one big question for arizona though and and we see this in seattle it has to be the offensive line right you, you can put a great quarterback on the field you can have a great receiver like larry fitzgerald a, a great running back in the backfield but if you don't have the guys up front uh, it's it's going to make it tough. And yeah, they brought in Justin Pugh. I uh, still have Mikey Opati. Um, Andre Smith uh, brought in on the, on the right side. Uh, is that a question mark in your mind, the offensive line for this team? I think it's a question mark just in respects to an entirely new offensive scheme. Um, you know, those guys obviously have a lot of experience in the NFL. You mentioned they bring in Justin Pugh and Andre Smith. And then Upati, if he can stay healthy, he's one of the best guards in the league. There's no question, but success in the NFL starts with the quarterback and then it goes straight to the lines of scrimmage. You've got to be good on the offensive line to establish a run game and protect your quarterback. And on the flip side, you've got to stop the run and attack the quarterback. Now, Seattle has done a really good job on the defensive side, but their biggest question mark, which is just crazy to me because they've got so much talent and Russell Wilson to boot, they've never been able to have that dominant offensive line um, you know, Dwayne Brown being there, especially having an offseason under his belt should help. But if Russell Wilson can stand in the pocket and deliver the di- deliver some dimes downfield, he is a top tier quarterback in the NFL. How much difference can a change in an offensive line coordinator make? Because I know with Seattle, we went from Tom Cable. Now we have Mike Solari. And I think a lot of Seahawks fans are banking on that really making a difference because they've they've drafted a ton of talent on the offensive line. Every one of those guys, you know, first, second round pick. It just hasn't seemed to come together. And like I said, I think a lot of Seahawks fans are baking on that coaching change and maybe the guys just being together for for a a more a longer period of time to help bring that together for the team. Yeah, I would expect it to uh, certainly help Seattle. I mean, you really can only go up from the situations that they've had. The past couple of seasons, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Cable, big time zone blocking mm-hmm. scheme coach. Maybe they switch away from that. I don't know how Pete Carroll and that offensive staff will approach this upcoming season, but it didn't really work that well in the past from a protection standpoint from Russell Wilson. Uh, having these guys come together, spend some time together during the offseason, make it a point throughout training camp to establish some sort of run game and keep Russell Wilson upright, and they certainly should improve in 2018. Let's move over to the defense for the Cardinals, because I mentioned it before, the Seahawks and Cardinals, we we kind of uh, get put together, lumped together as as finishing toward the bottom of the division. But the way I see it, 
with both the Cardinals and the Seahawks, you still have a lot of pieces on defense. I mean, looking at the the Cardinals defense, Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones still on the defensive line. Uh, you got Buda Baker, Patrick Peterson in the secondary. Uh, I guess maybe some questions w- at the linebacker, but uh, how do you see? I mean, it was this was one of the top defenses in the NFL just last year. Do you see that changing much? With Steve Wilkes being there and his defensive background with a lot of great defensive units in Carolina, I would expect those guys to respond well to him. Patrick Peterson is just an absolute lockdown cover corner. I know a lot of people in Seattle don't think that he deserves a lot of the recognition that he gets just based off of, I guess, the the, the previous alliance to Richard Sherman. But you know, you get you go into game plan meetings, and and it's no doubt that that the defensive coordinator is walking in the room saying, "Patrick, you've got him. You know, you've got Julio, lock him down. You've got Antonio Brown, lock him down. You've got AJ Green." lock him down. He is one of those premier guys in the NFL. So that really, they try to take away half the field right there. And with Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden firing off the edge, they, they have the ability to get after the quarterback. But you just said it, that that middle that middle base of the defense, the linebackers, they've got to get some guys to fill in those gaps and be able to stop the run and, and cover the middle of the field. And the one guy who I think the Cardinals are really going to miss, Tyron Matthew. I, I mentioned Larry Fitzgerald on, on the offensive side of the ball. I, there's a lot of Seahawks fans who also, and just I think a lot of fans in general that like Tyron Matthew. Yeah, you know, Tyron was a, a great player when he was healthy. He obviously ran into a lot of health issues in the in the later part of his career in Arizona, but he was another guy to where he changed games. He was a ball hawk. He would get after the quarterback when asked. He would shut down tight ends and 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 big time plays when he needed to. He heads to Houston and they need to fill that void. I saw they signed Trey Boston. He was in Carolina with Steve Wilkes. They also signed Arthur Motes, linebacker from Pittsburgh as well. So they're trying to put those pieces together. And you know, you always get a good story out of training camp, a guy who's really come on the scene who's really stepping up. So I'm looking forward to seeing who that is for the Cardinals throughout August. How about in terms of draft picks? We mentioned Josh Rosen, but really with the the trades of moving up to get Rosen, uh, not a huge draft class for the Cardinals, but uh, Christian Kirk, a wide receiver they took in the second round. You got Mason Cole, uh, the guard that they took in the third round. He played center, I think, for Michigan. And and then you have some of the late round picks too. Is there anybody from that group that, really interest you that that stands out apart from the quarterback i would say christian kirk he's a local kid from scottsdale arizona obviously played in the sec at texas a&m but the ability for him to be that game-breaking type wide receiver maybe to take the top off of the defense and let larry run underneath and open up some space to kind of stretch the field should certainly help whoever's playing quarterback for the cardinals and give them that deep threat ability so i'd watch after christian kirk and he might be a guy who could also help out in the return game as well so again he's one of those guys that could really make strides throughout training camp and kind of cement himself as a playmaker on the cardinals offense all right, Drew. Well, I have a few Seahawks questions for you, too. It, well, you know, I was looking through your bio and, and your game logs. I, I did notice that you were you were part of that 2015 team that made it to the NFC Championship game. But then you were cut from the Cardinals in early October 2016 and then re-signed in November. And, and I have to ask, is part of you happy that you didn't have to experience what it was like to be a part of the tie game? That 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 game that, came, that you, you were gone at the perfect time to miss that yeah. 6-6 tie between the Cardinals and Seahawks. 
No question. I was watching that game um, from my living room in Arizona. You know, I got released in early October. I had torn my calf against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. And then the following week, I was uh, just on the inactive roster and about seven guys got injured against the Rams. Carson got a concussion and and I knew right there that they were going to release me Mm. and hopefully sign me back. So I rehabbed as well as I could. And and throughout that time, they were not playing their best football. More and more guys were getting injured. That Sunday night game was, was no fun to watch. Um, you know, obviously, I'm I'm very close with Chandler Catanzaro now, and, and he's had a bunch of success in the NFL, just signing a great deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this offseason. But, you know, he he knocks it off the upright. I mean, my stomach was on the floor, and Pauschka hooks it wide left even closer. I just couldn't believe it. What a funky game that was. And, hey, it's football. I mean, you want everybody to be 100% regardless of where you are on the field, but guess what? That's not how it always works out. And that's just one of those games where I'm guessing a guy like Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, who have seen hundreds and hundreds of football games, they certainly won't forget that. Well, I mentioned in your intro that you received the Ray Guy Award back in 2009. The Seahawks drafted a punter this year in the fifth round, who was the 2017 Ray Guy Award recipient. Any insight uh, on what Seahawks fans might be able to expect from Dixon this year? Yeah, Michael Dixon is a very, very solid punter. You mentioned the Ray Guy Award. I actually presented that to him at the College Football Awards show. Uh, Ray nice. Ray couldn't make it this year, so I was on ESPN giving it out. I got to read his name out, and I met Michael. We, we spent some time in Atlanta and then again in Augusta, Georgia, where they give the award out. He obviously has a very specific skill set. He was able to exploit that at Texas. He was the MVP of the Texas Bowl. He can keep the ball away from returners. He can hang it high when he needs to, and he can – he can rip some far balls as well. So from what I've heard, he can manipulate a football unlike anybody. And that's why the Seahawks made the move. I was a bit surprised they did. I, I for sure thought they would bring someone in just from how John Ryan performed last year and what his salary cap is at heading into the 2018 season. But to, to draft a punter and be the first team to draft a punter in the draft this year, that's a surprise me. It just goes to show how highly they think of Michael Dixon. Going back to the draft, you were part of a pretty incredible draft class. Uh, now, you came out undrafted, but uh, picked, up, picked up by the Steelers. But the 2012 draft class, man, a, lot of, a lot of great players, uh, including Russell Wilson, coming out of that 2012 draft. Yeah, you know, Brian Anger was a, was a fellow punter. <laughs> right? and he was the pick before Russell Wilson. He was a third round Jacksonville, and he's still playing. He's punting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, but a lot of great players in that draft. And, and funny enough, a lot of great punters as well. I think six or seven punters out of the 2012 year have been playing in the NFL. So a, a pretty good pass. I think Andrew Luck was the first pick that year, if right. I'm not mistaken. Um, just a lot of talent that's still hanging around. So it was a special crop of guys. It's fun to play in those senior bowls and, and, and kind of make those combine round trips with those guys too. So it's always fun to keep up with them. Yeah. Marquette King, another guy that came out uh, undrafted and Johnny that year. Hecker yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really care for Johnny Hecker in Seattle. <laughs> I could imagine, <laughs> but uh, a great punter for sure. You know, you mentioned a little bit of surprise of of the Seahawks going that early, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned how Dixon, the MVP of a bowl game. I mean, just how rare is that, that a punter gets the MVP of, of a game of that magnitude in college football? Well, I watched the game. You know, I, I believe it was a couple nights before Christmas. I was just hanging out, and, and my wife and I are flipping through the channels, and everybody's talking about the punter, the punter, and we start watching it. And I'm like, this kid is dropping 
every ball inside the 10 yard line. I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable. I think he had eight or nine kicks inside the 20 yard line out of 10 punts the entire game. I mean, he changed the game every single time he punted the ball. And that's what coaches want you to do in the NFL. Going back to a guy like Johnny Hecker, though, seeing what he's been able to do to manipulate the football, lining up one way, kicking it another, trying to keep it away from returners as much as you can. Punting is in the NFL. I think coaches are understanding that rather than just strictly directional punting or punting for hang time. They are really trying to maximize net yardage through the punt team and a guy like Michael Dixon, if he can perform at the level we did in college, Hey, the Seahawks think they have an advantage there. Well, as a Seahawks fan, it's going to be hard to see a guy like John Ryan go. But like you mentioned, when you see the, the salary cap hit the age of John Ryan, um, and then just the, the talent of, of a young Michael Dixon, it, it seems like, I don't know what he'd have to do in preseason to, to lose out on that job, really. I, I, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't either. I mean, I, I don't know if he held or not uh, at Texas, but holding will certainly come into play. Sebastian Janikowski is a left-footed punter, right? Is he a kick? He's in Seattle now, right? Yeah, yeah Jan- they picked yeah, him up. Sebastian Janikowski is, is the kicker for the Seahawks. He is a left-footer. It's different holding for left-footers, so... Look, that will be a big time play and who's going to be the starting punter for the Seahawks. But you got to imagine that the chips are in Michael Dixon's hands and and John Ryan with the cap hit, like you mentioned. And he's a great guy. I know, John, I kicked against him for a couple of years. I think if he's not in Seattle this year, he'll certainly be somewhere else without a doubt. Well, as I mentioned, you are the co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast and uh, you guys cover sec football so any college football fans you guys are ramping up because uh, sec media day last week it sounded like you guys had some uh, interesting uh, situations surrounding that tell folks about your show yeah so aaron murray and i uh, aaron is the all-time leading sec quarterback in yardage and touchdowns we started up an sec football podcast last season and we've done about 40 episodes so far and man we had an awesome inaugural season obviously two sec teams were in the national championship auburn had a great year and we kind of go regional towards the end of the season as the college football playoff rankings come out later on in the season so we touch on all the biggest games of the season all the best storylines we have guests on week to week and we have an episode dropping every monday and every thursday throughout the season so find us we're at punt and pass on twitter and instagram we're on apple podcast google play stitcher tune in radio just about anywhere you can get podcasts subscribe to us leave a review all that good stuff but most importantly we just like to have a lot of fun we like to keep it real and tell fans what they need to know each and every week throughout the college football season who do you like coming out of the conference this year uh, other than your georgia bulldogs yeah you know we were at sec media days last week and it was almost unanimous that alabama will be winning the west georgia would be winning the east and the majority of the media picked alabama to win the sec championship again but i'm just hesitant when the media is thinks that they're 100 percent correct on one thing so i don't know what can happen fortunately for georgia the sec east is extremely weak this year um, Auburn's supposed to be pretty good. Some people are high on teams like Texas A&M and Mississippi State. So, you know, if, uh, if you had to, if I was a betting man, you, you can't bet against Alabama right now at this point in the season. Right before you go, your prediction for the Arizona Cardinals this year, where do you think it shakes out for them in the division? You know, when you, when you have to prognosticate this early in the season, I go straight to the desert and look at the guys in Vegas. And I think Arizona's win total right now is at about five and a half. I'd have to go under. I really would. Brandon, really? Because 
Well, yeah, the quarterback situation to me is something that they need to get dialed in. Uh, new coaching staff, just how they're starting out with Steve Kime, their general manager, not even being there in the training camp. It, it's going to be tough. And I, I've got a lot of friends there. I want them to be good this year. I like to watch them. I, I would say under five and a half. I think it's going to be a tough sledding for them. Uh, I'm not that high on the 49ers, but I'm also not that low on the Seah- the Seahawks. I thought, I think they might've gone addition by subtraction on the defensive side of the ball. So it remains to be seen, but I think the Cardinals have a long year ahead. A big thanks to Drew Butler for coming on the show. I know we have a lot of SEC football fans that listen to the show, so they might want to check mm-hmm. out that punt and pass podcast. Sounds like a super cool dude, man. And I uh, appreciate him coming on and sharing his insights. Like I said, it, or like you had said a couple pods ago, it was harder to find a cards person than our, than our regulars that we have for the Rams and the Niners. Yeah. I think that shows you a little bit. That shows you a little bit of which fan base in the NFC West has the most fair weather fans. Yeah. They went away awfully quick after that NFC championship game. Oh yeah. Mm, bye-bye. See you later. The fact that he would take the under at five and a half wins, it was a little bit surprising to me. I don't know, man. That te- that team does not look like a winning team to me. Like that's that's going to be a tough year. I just is think what they I could that. surprise some people. You know, if Sam Bradford has another year like he had with the Vikings, if David Johnson you know comes what, back where he and throws at three yards stuff. an attempt, it like it dinks and dunks for an entire season. That's fine. Dink it, drop it off to. David Johnson and let him run with it. Look for Larry Fitzgerald over the middle a little bit. Yeah, everybody catches on to that right quick. And Bradford gets that. Bradford won't play more than three games. I don't know. Either knees or rookie. One of the two problems is going to catch him. Well, they do need to get moving on to their future quarterback at some point. So I, I don't, maybe it's because when I'm just the type of person that when so many other people are really down on something, I start to think that it's not that bad. And just like with the 49ers, I think maybe people are a little bit too high on them. Well, yeah, they're way too high on them and way too high on the Rams. Well, yeah, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, I, I, I'm with, uh, you know, the optimism that Niners fan has. I like the direction they're going in. If I'm a Niners fan, I like the way they're building, Yeah, but it's not there yet. Think about what they looked like before Garoppolo came in. That was not a good team. And it's not markedly different. I like McKinnon. I like the pieces that they have at receiver. They added mm-hmm. Dante Pettis. They drafted him. They've got middling receivers. That's enough, though. Is it? I like George I Kittle. Think it is. I, I, I like their tight end. I wish the Seahawks would have been able to get Kittle. Well, I don't know. We got we got Uncle Will instead. That's why, that's why when I look at the team, it... If they had six, seven wins, it would shock me. If the 49ers finish with just six or seven wins. Oh, yeah. That's exactly where I think they finish. Okay. And I think that would be a win of a season for them. Like Jimmy with a full season under his belt, have some success. I'm sure they're going to go through, you know, have their lumps a little bit here and there. You know, get a, a bunch of these young players that they have some experience. Six, seven wins. And then then you're looking the next year to kind of make that jump. But yeah, that's exactly where I see him finishing. And if things and that's why I think if things work out better for the Cardinals and not so well for the 49ers, I think you could see I think you could even see San Francisco finish fourth in the division. No, that'll be the Cardinals for sure. This is how this, you could 
the teams that you can give me a coin flip on, like who's going to finish above one another, yeah, is the Rams and the Niners. That's a coin flip to me. I, I would put the coin flip between the Seahawks and Rams. Oh, no. We're going to win this division by like two games. <laughs> I know you're really confident about this. Go 10 and 6. That Rams team is going 8 and 8. That is what's going to happen. Okay. I'm not I'm not with you on that one. Man, I have this is the biggest setup for a fall I've seen in a long time in the NFL. I agree it could happen. I just don't know if it will. It's happening. One one other thing that's a coin flip, it sounds like the Seahawks game in London uh could be a coin flip on whether or not it's played in Tottenham Stadium or Wembley. Don't really care. I'll be there either way. Either way. I'm going to watch football played in a soccer stadium. More people will be able to go if it's in Wembley, but it sounds like the, the new stadium would be the better stadium. Oh, either way. I'm good. Just just play the game somewhere. They can put it in a parking lot. I don't care much as long as I get to still sit about where I was going to sit. Just tell me where to go and watch. That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, a lot of people are throwing dirt on the Seahawks 2018 season already. You know, we heard it from Oscar, the better rivals. We've heard it from numerous pundits. And I think you can surely guess who is the latest to cast doubt on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks this year. Oh, no way. Did Pete Prisco take out his dagger and try to stab it right in the back of the Seattle Seahawks once again? La 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 la, la 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 la, Prisco's wrong. La 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 la, la 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 la, Prisco's wrong. <laughs> Frisco has his hot tastes and nothing more. That's Frisco's world. <laughs> Pete Frisco selected, he, he made predictions for every single game of the NFL season plus the Super Bowl champion. And we have the results. I mean, because Pete Frisco says it, it's probably going to come true. Gold. Seahawks season this year, 5 and 11. Five that, and eleven. That is impossibly hilarious. Yeah, it's almost well. I'd say it's better than the Nate Davis prediction from USA Today, and it is better uh, by one game because he he predicted the Seahawks would go four and twelve, and tried to make the case that that was with a healthy Russell Wilson, uh, which I thought was funny. I could see it if you're making the case that Russell Wilson gets injured week one, and then they go four and twelve. But uh, at four and twelve, five and eleven, come on, guys! It's just unbelievable to me, and I think this is another reason why I'm super excited about this year. Everybody's written us off. This is sneaking up on people, man. You no longer have the target on your back like we've had the last, you know, five six years. Like that's going to be an advantage, at least for the first four or five weeks. And again, they may start out slow, but I definitely am feeling. 10 and 6. Prisco has that feels a, about right to me. He has a starting slow, losing the first two games on the road to the Broncos and Bears, beating the Cowboys back at home. He has us losing to both Case Keenum and Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. And then, be, okay, then. and then beating Dak Prescott when we get back home. And well, then, that'll probably happen. And then losing at the Cardinals week four. Wow. But then coming back and beating the Rams at home 21-20. Yeah, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to the picks for, for Pete here. None of that makes any sense. We're good enough to beat the Rams 21-20 at home, but not good enough to beat the Cards. Or Bears. 
or Denver. <laughs> yeah. Well, that first game against Denver, I can I can kind of see that a home opener in an opposing stadium like Denver. You could their defense is taking a step back. Well, they, Case Keenum's not Case Keenum's not the answer. The whole offense is a year older. Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, all those guys. Yeah. I don't even know who their running back is anymore. Doesn't matter. It never matters who the the Broncos running back is. Yeah, that's true. Is it still CJ Anderson or did he move on? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's absurd. I I think there's a strong possibility that they start out of the gates one and one and lose one of those Denver or Bears games, even though they had no business losing it. You know, if they're two and three after the first five weeks, that's still not any cause for concern for me. I'll have zero panic unless it looks really bad. Sure. You know what I mean? Unless it, unless they're like blowouts and just it looks atrocious. Yeah. Two and three with winning your home games and, and losing three on the road, starting out slow. Or even if they lose the Rams and win one of those road games, whatever. Mm-hmm. Two and three is not a disastrous start. But then Prisco has the team losing six straight games at Oakland, which is in London, at Detroit, Chargers in Seattle. He's big on the Chargers. Uh, Seahawks on the road to the Rams. The Packers win in Seattle. And then the Hawks lose on the road to the Panthers. Wow. Okay. The ones I find most surprising out of that, uh, Panthers and Raiders, that he would predict that. Yeah. This Raider experiment is very interesting. I have a hard time seeing it go well right out of the gates. Now they might have it figured out by week six. I don't know, man. But then the Seahawks finish somewhat strong. They beat the 49ers at Seattle. They lose to the Vikings uh, just by two points. Uh, lose to the 49ers nope. in San Fran and then finish off nope. with two wins against the Chiefs and Cardinals. There's going to be a lot of people eating crow about this season. This is going to be fun. Five and 11 from our buddy Pete Prisco. He's back on the Russell Wilson's not that good sauce. He has to be. If you're predicting five and 11, you are back on the Russell Wilson's not good sauce. He wants to be, he so badly wants to be right about Russell Wilson not being good. Dude, this is year seven. This is year seven of Russell Wilson being awesome. A legit MVP candidate last year. Led the league in touchdowns last year. Okay, then. Yeah. You keep clinging to that belief. Here's the thing. If by year six, Baker Mayfield is putting up those kind of numbers for the Browns in that kind of play, there is no way in hell I am still in six years. (laughs) If Baker Mayfield has gone to two Super Bowls, one, one, and then led some individual passing uh, statistics and in, is in the top three of all-time things like passer rating and uh, interception ratios and you know things of that nature, I'll be the first person to say I was dead wrong about Baker Mayfield. There's no way I'm holding on to that for year seven. Prisco can't get over it. That's fine. Dude, a top-tier quarterback gets you eight wins. Pencil it in. And he's one of the better top tier quarterbacks, pencil in nine. And then you just have to have the kicker make a kick or two. 10, 11 wins. It's right there. Of course, he has his Jaguars with the uh, with the most wins of any AFC team. You know, I heard a couple analysts talking about the Jags and a couple people saying, yeah, beware for a step back for them. 
it's really difficult to play all time great defense year in year out. Like they had, they they played at a really high level. You can still be good. Like Seattle's been good on defense for a long time, but that 2013 team, you know, that version of the LOB, that's an all timer, right? That you put in there with like the 2000 Raiders and right. uh, the Bears and the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ravens. Exactly. Right. Either, you know, the expert was saying, well, you know, expect that to come back to earth just a little bit. And then you also have to understand that at some point they'll have to reckon with the fact that Blake Bortles is still their quarterback. Wait, Blake Bortles is the quarterback of the Jaguars and he has him going to the Super Bowl. Yes, that's an interesting choice. That's a true fact. It's a really interesting choice, Pete. He's got a real eye for quarterbacks. We saw Bortles hit his ceiling last year. Blake Bortles going to the big game. And Russell Wilson's going five and eleven to match his height five yeah. five foot eleven. That's cute. You know, subconsciously, I bet that's why he picked five and eleven. I think that's exactly why. All right, Adam. What do you say we move on and welcome some new members of the flock? Fantastic. These folks went to getintheflock.com, joined us there. Uh, we had a couple people up their pledge, starting with Owen O'Hara, upped it from five to twelve twelve. Well, welcome to uh, the Ring of Honor, Owen. Gary Bloom made the switch from Patreon to PayPal, twelve twelve a month, continuing his donation. Gary's always on our side, man. Oh, yeah. You can go to SeahawkersPodcast.com slash support and support us through PayPal if you prefer to do that over Patreon. We had uh, Alari and Marysville go there and donate a one-time $15 donation. Thanks, Alari. Oh, thanks, man. That's awesome. Scott from Kilimarnock, Scotland, a $5 donation, one-time donation through PayPal. Thanks, Scott. Do they use dollars in Scotland? Is there like a conversion rate there? I wonder how that works. Oh, yeah. Well, this is the five American that, that he donated to us. And, you know, give him some credit because you have to figure that out, right? Like the conversion rates and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how it, it works. seems like an extra I think, step. I think because it's... Uh, I'm, very, I'm very concerned about this currency <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, transaction here. It's like, five yeah. bucks. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. It's just it seems complicated. What it worked out for us. Yeah. You don't have to figure out what it cost him in his local currency. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it. <laughs> Scott says, keep up the good work, guys. Love listening to the show. See you both in the hospitality suite at Tottenham Stadium in October. Nice. Scott from Scotland. Looking forward to it, Scott. Absolutely, man. And then you can tell me all about uh, what the what the rates are. And then Adam can buy you a beer in the local currency. That could get confusing for me. Yeah. But I'll do it. You should. New member of the flock, John Shachet. In for $3. Thanks, John. Or Shachet. Yeah. Shoche. So $3, what do people get, Brandon? What do people get when they donate $3 a month to the to the podcast? They get stickers. They get bonus shows. And we are going to be continuing our patron pick'em league. All right. I don't know if I've mentioned the the patron pick'em league prizes lately. No, because they're they're high value. There's a lot of them too, and I don't yeah. even know if I get this right. We have signed Walter Jones jersey. We have signed Steve Largent jersey. We have a signed Russell Wilson autographed uh, piece of limited edition artwork. One of three hundred. Super cool. Yeah. Be the top prize. I have a Cam Chancellor autographed football. Yeah. We have a Nas Jones autographed I football. Want that. I want the cam football, man. Yeah. Whatever place we're going to give that away uh, this year in the Patreon Pick'em League, that's what I'm aiming for. That's what you want. It gets down to the end and I'm like above 
that that spot. You want to drop I'll down? Throw, I'll throw some games <laughs> to try to to try to get to that spot. Okay. I will. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, but the patron league, like, yeah. So for three dollars a month, you get in the patron pick'em league rather than our regular one. More prizes, fewer people to compete with. It's just it just ups your chances, man. You recoup that three dollars a month back before you even blink. Yeah, or you can just play in our pick'em league once we have that launched, and you can play for the grand prize anyway. Yeah, for free, for nothing. Yeah, get a chance at a Russell Wilson autographed piece of why limited we, edition art. Yeah, why we really appreciate all the support via Patreon, PayPal, all that from you guys. It's really, really freaking amazing, and it really does make this show go. Uh, it is our pledge to always keep the show free for for everybody, and uh, you know, the, at least the one pick'em league free as well, so that everybody can participate. That's important to us. Yeah, I think the way we're going to be able to do it this year, too, I think we'll be able to intermingle everybody and just list our patrons as uh, VIP members of the of the Pick'em League. Oh, which Pick'em? Have we just decided on a site? No, I, I have one that I'll set up that I think us, along with some of the members of the Ring of Honor, will try out in the preseason. Ooh. And then once we okay. decide that it's good to go, then we'll put in for the regular season. Sweet. Well, I can't wait to win the preseason. You should do it. Yeah, I'd like to see you do it. Preseason's really hard to pick. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> Samuel G, a 47 cent raise from 1231 to 1278. I guess since Cam retired, now his favorite player is DJ Fluker, so went with the 1278. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. The size 22 shoes. And a welcome to the flock to Vinny Cent. Just joined the flock with the hustle like Russell dedication package. And look forward to beating you guys in your own pick'em league. Let's get it. Go Hawks. Whatever, Vinny. I ain't scared. Bring it, man. I like the name, though, because it, it sounds dangerously close to Fitty Scent. Yeah, Vinny Scent. All I know is that I'll enjoy seeing uh, Vinny's name blow mine in the pick'em league. It's going to be great. Start thinking about your team name for this year. Yes. Yes. We'll have to I got to get on that. Yeah, we got to have, have that a... figured out by next week, I think. Oh, crap. Okay. Well. I know what my drunken time at the cabin will involve this weekend. And how many people can say they're an associate producer of the Seahawkers podcast? Only one man. Just one. Big thanks to Dustin Mock. You know, for being an associate producer and for uh, his very generous donation, what I do appreciate about Dustin is there's not a lot of notes. Not a lot of show notes of things we need to change, you know? It's good. A very hands-off associate producer. Right. But we're open to suggestion, Dustin. So anything anything you got on your mind. I mean, we don't want to make him work any harder than, you know, the support that he's already offering. No, I'm just saying if, if he's got something on his chest, you know? Yeah. Like, let it rip. Associate producer. Yeah, you can do associate producer things once you're an associate producer. Correct. Or if you're just, you know, a member of the flock. Sometimes. Sometimes I ignore them. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> like when people, you know, tell me that I'm taking it, that, that people tell me I'm like too mean to the Rams or something. And then I'm, I was like, I, no, I wasn't. The, the mayor of Waffle Town did send along an apology. What? He, he listened back and he said that he was maybe a little harsh on you. <laughs> well, well, that's uh, that's flattering. I told you that me and a dude who you know goes by the mayor of Waffle Town couldn't be that far apart. Yeah. Yeah. We both love waffles. Instead of Pank. He's and, a, he, yeah. And I take it he's not really a Rams fan since he came back after and apologized. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. You know, what's funny is like some of our more negative reviews eventually end up with an apology. 
or redaction or a retraction. Yeah. If you don't yeah. like if you don't like listening to the show the first time you hear it, just just listen a just few more times. Just keep doing it. Yeah. Keep banging your head against that wall. You will like this. <laughs> and if you don't, you haven't listened long enough. That's how it works. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. It's going to all buff out. I got, I got that from Jim Rome. It works the same way with his show. Does it? <laughs> Maybe not to you. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Got a note here from Tim Moon from the Ring of Honor. Oh, what's up, Tim? Says, all kidding aside about the silly predictions being made regarding the Hawks. Why do you think Russell Wilson gets so little credit nationally for how good he has been since his career mm. began? I have some suspicions, but I'd really like to hear your thoughts on this. Thank goodness Good. camp is starting. Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks, Tim. It's interesting that he has his suspicions, but won't share them. That's fine. They're secret suspicions secret from suspicions. Tim. And that's what I expect out of him, actually, is secret <laughs> you suspicions. you got to keep it close to the vest. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, a few things. I think number one, first and foremost, is market. I mean, it just it's frustrating and nobody likes to hear it, but... He's not in L.A. He's not in Dallas. He's not in New York. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's... Or Philly. I think that's... I think out of all of it, first and foremost, I think that's like probably 75% of it. You know, I think a big part of it is... And that's why I think this year is going to be a big year for him. I think that so much attention has been given to the Legion of Boom and the defense over the past few years with Richard Sherman, and then you have Michael Bennett. you got some loud dudes on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball that aren't there anymore. And yeah. now with all this coverage about, oh, the Seahawks aren't going to be as good because the big names on defense are going to be gone. you still got Bobby Wagner, still got Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. But I think now that that perception has changed, that the defense isn't going to be necessarily carrying the team, even though they're still going to be a good defense. Mm-hmm. I think now the perceptions will start to change with Russell Wilson. Maybe, um, maybe I'm just being hopeful. I look. I mean, you start putting together, you stack up, going on seven years now of great play. Like, there's got to be a point to where you really just have to look and be like, "Oh, okay, no, he's he's one of the greats." And the funny thing to me about the way that he doesn't get respect is, um, I would think his style of play would lend itself to more hype than he gets. Like, for some reason, it works the opposite way against him. But it's exciting. The way Russell Wilson plays quarterback is exciting. It's different. We don't see this come around, but more than once in about every other generation. Yeah. This type of this type of quarterback. Steve Young, Fran Tarkenton. Right. You can almost end the list there. <laughs> Doug Flutie. Yeah, Michael Vick, to a certain extent. Um... Right, Randall but very Cunningham. short. Randall Cunningham, but very short, right? Those were Those brief. Were, yeah. Randall Cunningham a little bit longer, but right. Well, he had it kind of two careers. Like, if I'm thinking of the... Right, you have the, the Philadelphia, man, and then you have Rand- yeah, then the Vikings. Yeah, if I'm thinking Plastic Man, Randall Cunningham with with uh, Philly, yeah, that, was, that was a short period of time that he played that way. Yeah. You know? So I would have thought that that style of play lended itself to more uh, coverage and hype. Because it's more highlight real worthy rather than, you know, to be honest, like the way Tom Brady plays, you know, sits in the pocket and knows where to go with the ball because he knows it's covered two and they're, you know, they're, they got lurk guy over here and we're going to run motion this way and like dissects the whole thing before he even snaps the ball and then starts 
just dishing the ball around. It looks somehow less that's spectacular. Right. Somehow that's more popular than the, you know, the backyard style of Russell Wilson. Yeah. I don't know. That that to me totally perplexes me. He's well spoken, he's a good looking dude. What else do you need? I, yeah, he's a nice guy. Maybe like, it's, maybe he's too nice. I don't know. Do you I mean is Aaron Rodgers too nice? Is Matt Ryan too no, nice? Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is kind of a jerk. To who? Like, is his is his persona to the public a jerk? Uh, I get that sense. Really? That's why State Farm pays him millions of dollars to do their ads? Well, I... Because he has a bad Q rating? I don't think so. Tom Brady, same way. Maybe I just think they're jerks. Well, yeah, I think you do. <laughs> So I don't know, Tim. Maybe your secret suspicions are uh, more spot on than any of the reasons we just talked about. Could be. But keep them secret. Keep them safe. Keep them secret, Tim. Or tell us if if we match up with yours. Yeah. Mike Mason, another member of the flock, sends in a note. Says, hey, guys. Firstly, thanks for getting me through the offseason with your good work. I'm more than ready to stop talking about Earl Thomas and actually see some football. The other day, I had some free time, so I went back to the first ever show to see if it was the same great <laughs> show it is today. Of course it was. Although Adam did seem less ranty. Was he on good behavior for the first show, or is the podcast a diary of his descent into angry rantiness? <laughs> <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you straight up, dude. This is, this is basically the difference between then and now. I smoke far less weed now. <laughs> You're way less chill now. Right. Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of it. And plus, too, like if you hang out with me in person, am I this pissed off all the time? No, but I also think that just in terms of nerves on the very first show, we didn't know what we were doing. Oh yeah, I didn't think anybody was going to listen, so I did. I didn't really care. Uh, no, I've definitely I've definitely become a little less chill in the the last six years. Okay, well that could be. One question I had that I don't think was answered was how the podcast came into being and how you two guys met. You may have mentioned it between shows 2 to 160-ish when I started listening, but in my mind, (laughs) I imagined it like this. I did say I had some time. It's a hot summer's day. Birds are singing. The sun is shining. And Brandon Schultz is taking a well-earned vacation in Montana. After a visit to the American Computer and Robotics Museum, he feels like a walk in the woods to reconnect with nature. No sooner does he set foot in said woods, he hears the cry of a small Bolivian boy who appears to be in some distress. Meanwhile, on the other side of the woods, Adam Emmert is chopping wood with an axe because he can. He too hears little Horatio desperately calling for help. Both men run from opposite sides of the woods to aid the partially sighted boy who has run afoul of a large bear after inadvertently eating the last pot of honey. As the bear is about to eat the also partially deaf little Horatio, Adam and Brandon jump in and teach the bear some manners. After the fight, as Adam and Brandon eat raw bear meat from the bone whilst Horatio entertains them with his Bolivian flute music, Brandon suggests that the only thing that could make the day better would be listening to the game on his pocket radio. Only if it's the Seahawks, replies Adam, fearing Brandon could be a Rams fan. Of course it's the Seahawks, Brandon cries. (laughs) You know what's great about being a Seahawks fan, Adam asks? The Seahawks are the greatest team in the world, Brandon replies. True. You know what's not great about being a Seahawks fan, Adam asks? 
the lack of a truly great Seahawks podcast that not only entertains, but also informs a fan of the greatest <laughs> team in the world. Exactly, Adam says emphatically, mm-hmm. sensing a kindred spirit. Brandon and Adam did two great things that day, and Horatio himself admitted that saving his life was only the second greatest. <laughs> if this isn't what happened, don't tell me, unless there were actually two bears. In any case, keep up the good work and go Hawks. Well, there were three because it was a salve with two Cubs. <laughs> and uh, honestly, the Cubs were a lot more tender than the mama bear. They were better to eat. <laughs> so if you're ever going to eat raw bear, go for Cubs first. Go for baby that's bears. What I, that's one of the things I learned that day. And actually, Horatio was the one to give me the heads up on that. Yeah. Try some of this baby bear meat. Right. Yeah. He kind of, I mean, he wasn't great at communicating, but with some hand gestures and stuff, I could tell that the baby bear was going to be the way to go. The only thing that's wrong about this is that I, I would start a fire with my bare hands and then actually cook the bear meat and eat it off the bone. Depends on how hungry you were. After a bear fight, you might be real hungry right now. Yeah. But there's a lot of bear left. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you make you bear can... jerky out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Haul it back. Greasy jerky. Yeah. Bear meat is not particularly good. No? No. <laughs> it's really not. But he, he almost nailed it. He almost nailed it. Either that or we met in kindergarten. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. I like but, his story better. Yeah. I like there may the, have been bears in kindergarten, too. I don't know. I do like the, uh, the, the, the idea of having an origin story. You know, mm-hmm. like Batman. All the great superheroes have a good origin story. That means you have to go th- through something super traumatic. Yeah. Well, like like maybe the play that should not be talked about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Quinn from Walla Walla says, let me start off by saying after all the hoopla surrounding the visors, I'm not sure that it was addressed that they can be worn upside down and to the side. Oh I've been God. listening to the show and need to realign my hawker because I haven't fulfilled my promise to myself to become a little flocker. That way, if you read my name and where am I from, you can say Quinn from the Washington state. Great show. And did you know that not only did Elon Musk prove he wasn't an ev- wasn't an evil villain by making an effort to help in Thailand, but he's apparently going to provide water filters to Flint. Looking forward to the next episode. Go Hawks. Yeah, doing all the things Elon is. Yeah, man, Quinn uh, from the Washington State University. Was it Washington State or just Washington? Just Quinn from the Washington State. Oh, from the Washington State. Yeah. You know, he does bring up that there are atrocious, even more atrocious ways to wear the visor. And the upside down and sideways, like that takes you to a level of douchiness that is nearly unattainable. I can't even I mean it's only attainable with the by wearing the visor in that way. I'm a firm believer that people that wear their hat or hobo hat like that upside down and to the side, the combination need to be punched squarely in the face every time. Just so they know. And they, they you don't have to say anything. You can just look at it and be like, "You know what you did." Well, for one thing, people who wear their hat like that have already been punched in the face and know not to do that anymore. And two, you would hope so, but if they're doing it, maybe somebody hasn't done them the favor. I think I've only seen that in pictures. I don't think that that actually happens like out in the wild. I think I've wild. seen it once in a rap video or something. Yeah, like in, in an early 90s rap video. Right. Yeah. And we I know better they, now. Hopefully they outgrew it. And not, Did the Fresh Prince wear his visor like that? 
Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think the Fresh Prince ever wore a visor. No, I guess I pictured him I'm, like in the intro. Wasn't he wearing a visor, or I, was it a hat? I feel like Vanilla Ice maybe wore a visor to upside down and to the side. He had a collection of visors. <laughs> I'm just gonna Google upside down visor. You'll get on a list. Oh, see, somebody asked on Yahoo what rapper wore a sun visor upside down and backwards. What were the answers? Nelly. It, it's abhorrent to think about. So thanks, Quinn, for planting that mental image in my in my head. This is from 2003. So see, that's, that's a long time ago. It's been a problem that has plagued this nation for decades. Yeah, upside down visor 90s. This was only a 90s thing. Oh, thank God. Did we get this worked out? Have we thoroughly gone through this? I feel I feel like we have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Well, apart from the visor thing, I, after I saw Quinn's email, I, I did have a thought. Mm-hmm. And you know how we do our monthly thank yous for the $12 and above mm-hmm. donors? Mm-hmm. What if we got them to record their name and where they're from or their college or high mm-hmm. school? Just, just like on Monday Night Football. I love it. And we could play our thank yous that way. Absolutely. 100%. And that's a great idea. Sometimes you have like pretty good ideas and sometimes you have really great ideas. And this is a great idea. I would love to have everybody do just that. Like Quinn. Except for I only have one. I only have one exception. You still have to sing Lisa in Seattle. <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah. I think it's tradition now. Yeah. Okay. Well, she could say, you know, Lisa and give her college or Seattle. And then I could just little tag it with a little Lisa in Seattle. Do you think? It. Do you think you could like duet it? Maybe. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be cool. I don't know if you can harmonize or not, but I think it'd be fun. I, I still need to figure out how to do auto tune. Oh, now we're talking. There we go. That's how we do it. Yeah, we need to. We, all right. So Lisa, start thinking on that. But I like this. This is a great idea. So see if you're 12, 12 and above, just record, take your phone, record the little bit of audio, your name and how you want to be represented. Mm-hmm. And we, we just play it in the end of the show. We could do like a little music bed. Yeah. Yeah. Be fun. So, uh, how do we punish the people that don't, uh, take advantage of this really cool opportunity? Like we got to read their name, like kind of lamish. Well, they're still, they're still cool people. Well, I know, but I'm, you got it. Carrot and stick, right? <laughs> <laughs> like the carrot is like you get to have your voice on the pod, and it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, and you can have a little fun with it, and you know it's cool. Like I have some flair, right? The stick is you have to hear us read it off. Yeah, but you have to like deadpan it. I don't know if I could do that. Ross Wildering. Are you saying Ross wouldn't send in his name? No, it's just a it, yeah. I just thought of Ross first. I think we need to do this, though. Yeah. Brandon Schultz, Plaid Valley Community College. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm not going to go That's with perfect. Oklahoma. I'm going to go with no. my community college representation. That's great, because uh, then I don't have to listen to Boomer Sooner again. It's like the dumbest catchphrase ever. Boomer Sooner. I think I have a degree Freaking from Edmonds lame. Community College, too. That way I could sound like a local. Now you're just showing up. <laughs> With my two associate's degrees. Yeah. (laughs) I only have one degree. Yeah. I mean, it's a bachelor's, but whoop-de-doo. It's a cardboard box degree. Yeah. Because that's what you live in when you get a photojournalism degree. That's all the money you make. You live in a cardboard box. 
Quinn also left us a review, says best place for Hawks updates. Can't get enough of the show. I have been listening for a year now with no regrets. Awesome people with awesome things to say. Keep it up. Cool. Thanks, Quinn. Pat writes in with a question, says, do the rules allow the Seahawks to convince Cam to retire if they sign him to a coaching contract of similar value? Perhaps spread out over five more years, including health care and blah, blah, blah. Could they then get his money off the salary cap number? Uh, yeah, I don't think you can do that. I, uh, I'm sure there's some CBA things that are that you know keep some of that shady stuff from going down. Yeah, I think it's in Article 14, Section 1, if you want to look it up. I don't want to read it. I don't blame you. I can't believe you went that far to look it up. I just went with that. You probably can't do that. Well, I figured you probably couldn't do it. It's creative. It's creative. I like where your head's at. But you can. They could take the full cap hit this year, right? Yeah. If they have those space. I think according to Joel Corey in an article that I I read a while back, it sounded like Cam was due $14.5 million for 2018 and then $5 million in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I think they can compress that and and write it off all at once. Mm-hmm. But they, if you have the room, right? You do have to have the room. Yeah. So the, there's there's that ability. It's just it's part of it's part of it. I mean, there's no way around it unless you're the Patriots and Tom Brady and you give them a TB12 uh, lease like right at the stadium. <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a lot of hush hush deals that go on behind the scenes. I I know there are. Yeah, you know, maybe not so blatant though as Tom Brady. You win me five Super Bowls, you can kind of do what you want. If you're Robert Kraft, you say take my jet whenever you want. Yeah, whatever you need, Tom. It would get to circumventing the cap because I think if you're going to pay Cam, you know, twenty million dollars over two years, and then you say you're going to hire him as a coach. Uh, coaches don't really for twenty million dollars over million two years, or, or, seven, years. or six yeah. years or whatever. I, yeah. I don't even think your defensive coordinator is probably making that kind of money over the next five years. Probably not. No. Yeah. As a college team, maybe. As a coordinator, do those college coaches get paid a stupid amount yeah, of money? They don't have to pay the players. Right. Matt from New Jersey sends in, says, guys, this is my favorite time of the year. Spending time outside on hot summer days, cool nights with friends and family, and the epic <laughs> Midsummer Seahawkers podcast build up to the season. Every summer, you guys impress the catfish out of me with how much content you provide us. And I think if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't get so amped for each upcoming season. You've truly brainwashed me simply by repeating, we're going to the freaking Super Bowl. Because every year since I started listening, I've truly believed it. Love the Know Your Rivals episodes. Really love the 15 Seahawks You Should Know episodes from a couple years ago. All the tribute episodes. Everything. Just wanted to keep saying thanks from Matt. Dude, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. You know, I like today. Today I'm fired up, man. Like, I, I get it. Like, you kind of get through this offseason, and then finally it's time to start getting going, and it gets you fired up. I don't know if we're going to the Super Bowl or not this year, but I think there's a legit chance. There's always a chance. No, I think there's a legit chance. Yeah, Russell Wilson's our quarterback, man. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't see any other team in the NFC that I look at and go, oh, they're super scary. Eagles are going to be tough again this year. Maybe. They they perfect stormed last year. I think they're still going to be good. Uh, Who else you got? Um, Packers. But do they scare the bejesus out of you? No, no. I, that's what the NFL has done with parity. It makes it much on a more level playing field among all teams. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, we yeah. see... Vikings don't scare me. Falcons don't scare me. Panthers don't scare me. Packers don't scare me. Philly doesn't scare me. The Rams certainly don't scare me. The Saints scare me a little bit. The Saints are a little bit scary. People might be sleeping on them. The Falcons could be good once again. You know, that that defense with Dan Quinn. Negative. No. I like the Falcons defense. No. Okay. I don't like I don't like mediocre uh, mediocre Matt. I'll take Matt over Blake Bortles. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And Blake Bortles almost went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, well, that Atlanta defense isn't close to that uh Jacksonville defense either. They got some good dudes though. Yeah. Appreciate all the emails and yeah, I'm glad we could help Matt get through the offseason. I and you know, this offseason it Felt pretty good to me. We got a couple chances to take a couple weeks off at a time. Felt pretty good. Oh, yeah. I could have taken a lot more weeks off. Summers are fun in Montana. It's true. Dude, the only reason you live here is for like the th- about the four months of ideal weather that you can do things. And so like you talk to anybody who's at all a legit Montanan, and I promise you almost every one of their weekends is planned out through... Beginning of October? <laughs> like every single one. Yeah. Going to this lake that one. I'm going hiking there this weekend. I got a wedding this weekend. I got yeah, like every single one is like planned out. You get it in. Going up to Glacier Correct. Park. Correct. Any one of the 14, 15 national forests in the region. Correct. There's stuff to do. Yeah. But now you know there's stuff to do. It's watching Seahawks football. I cannot wait. What do you say we get into some do better and better at life? Yeah, let's do that, man. Adam, this Terrell Owens situation is pissing me off. Is it? How much it's getting talked about in the media and the response from the Hall of Fame itself. Oh, we're going to wait and send Terrell Owens gold jacket because he's not showing up. We'll send it through the mail once the ceremony is over. We're not really going to mention his name. Yeah, that's pretty petty. They're being petty. They're they're yeah. matching his pettiness, which I yes. would expect from Terrell Owens. Right. I don't but expect not, it from the Hall of Fame. No, no. You got. Yeah, they need. And they same need some with some of the writers that vote the guy in. You know, I listen to the Hall of Fame coverage leading up to this Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It's almost entirely Terrell Owens centric focused. They're doing the exact opposite of what they want. They want the focus to be on the Hall of Famers. Can you name for me two or three of the other Hall of Famers getting inducted besides uh, Owens? No. <laughs> it's because all, all we've heard about is Owens. Brian mm-hmm. Urlacher is going in. Ray Lewis is going in. Jerry Kramer wow. from the wow. Packers is going in. I just don't understand how this was super easy to solve and they really missed the boat. Randy Moss is going in. Yeah. Okay. T.O. doesn't want to be here. No problem, T.O. Do your thing. We'll uh, we'll have a thirty second video clip of like some highlights and kind of do the same thing that we do for uh, players that are put in. How do you say the word posthumously? Posthumously, yeah, yeah. Uh, just do that. Just do that. Take one minute. Do the to thing, and then moving on. Yeah. Send him his jacket, and guess what? All of it goes away. Shoot. You take away all of his leverage. You could send him his jacket even before the ceremony 
and allow him to do the his little thing at his high school like he was going to do. And Fine. let him do his speech in his gold jacket. Why do you care? I don't get it. It's definitely in Pettyville. It's no so petty. And it upsets me so much that they're taking so much of the focus off of the Hall of Famers that are going to be there leading up to the ceremony. Yeah, it's going to be focused on them at the ceremony. But it's ridiculous how little coverage the other guys are getting leading up to the actual event. So for the Hall of Fame voters, members of the media, do better. All right, man. My do better this week is for SB Nation's uh, writer, Adam. And I think his last name must be S. Titties. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's Stites. I don't know. It's one of the two. You guys can take your pick however you want to pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's I don't think it's the way you pronounce it the first time. No? Are you sure? I mean, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, that's the way that's the way I read it. I feel like I've heard that name before. <laughs> so, uh title of his article, Malik McDowell is another draft whiff for the Seahawks who have plenty recently. The Seahawks' bad draft luck is taking a toll on the team's roster. So here, it's a whole article about Malik McDowell never playing a snap. Rah, 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 right? Yep. Okay, fine. And uh, he's like, take a, take a look at the, the string of poor draft choices the Seahawks have made with their first pick of the draft in the last six years. And it puts him, Malik McDowell, put him in an underwhelming group. Here are the last six picks. Malik McDowell, Jermaine Effetti, Frank Clark, Paul Richardson, Kristen Michael, Bruce Irvin, James Carpenter. And he goes on to write, in that group, three leftist free agents. One was traded in Christine Michael. One was released to McDowell. And two remain on the roster, Effetti and Clark. So he's trying to say that the Seahawks have been terrible with their first pick in the draft and that this is a total underwhelming group. Let's break this down for a second, shall we? Malik McDowell? Yes, I will give you that. Knucklehead. Busted up his face. Will never play for us. Fine. Okay. I'll give you one out of those six. You can't put that necessarily on the organization as a terrible choice, though. We never got to see what he could do. Right. Jermaine Fetty, a starter. Frank Clark, a starter. Paul Richardson just got paid by the Washington Redskins. Obviously a talented guy that people wanted. We couldn't keep him because we couldn't afford him. Yeah, see how so we're going to do that. Right. Kristen Michael. Okay, I'll give you that. We'll give him Not that one. Didn't, that was the, didn't quite that work was out. the tail end of the second round. Bruce Irvin. Quality, still uh, strong side linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. We had good seasons for us. Has had good seasons for the Raiders. Got paid. Quality starter. Got paid. James Carpenter became a quality starter. Got paid. God, the Seahawks stink with their first pick in the draft every year. Gone, gone for, uh, four and two. Gone four and two. And this guy, Adam Estides, decides to try to write this article and claim that the Seahawks have done a terrible job with their first pick, which is inherently untrue. Just look at it. Adam, do better. Adam telling another Adam to do better. Yeah, it's poor, just poor. You know, that's a really looking back on it now. And when you say that and you think of, you know, a lot of those guys are late first round picks or second round picks. 
So he does give the caveat that, well, maybe a little bit to draft position, duty draft position. But considering draft position, find me another team that had two guys wash out of the league in six years. Every single one? Every single one. (laughs) And find four guys who are still in the league. And because, you know, uh, Effetti will probably, he'll get paid in some, he'll get paid. I don't know if he'll get paid a lot, but could depend on what he's going to be in the league. Yeah, he's going to be in the league. And we know Frank Clark's about to get paid because we saw what Daniil Hunter got for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And you know that he's at least worth that much. Yeah. He's probably worth about that much. Yeah. Because what was it about 14 and a half, 15 mil a year? Something like that. These guys, yeah, they get closer to, I mean, if you're a guy that produces elite sack numbers, you're, you're getting close to that 17, 18 million dollar a year range. Clark says it's his goal this year to get 20 million. No, 20 sacks. Oh, well, they'd probably get him twenty million. That would get him twenty million. A sack of mill. Get after it, Frank. I'd like to see it. But yeah, I mean, you start going through that list. I mean, there, there's a lot of quality players there, and two that didn't work. Moving on to better at life. My better at life this week. I'm taking a page from your playbook, Adam, and I'm nominating scientists. Oh, scientists. Okay, who discovered that Jupiter is the Antonio Cromartie of planets in our solar system. Right. Because it turns out Jupiter has some more kids they didn't know about. Ten more moons floating around Jupiter. What? Yeah. Wait a second. How did we just miss moons? We got got the Juno spacecraft that's like orbiting the poles right now and like we're missing moons? Yeah. The headline says astronomers discovered ten new moons of Jupiter. Where have they been hiding? Jupiter now has 79 moons. And what they were doing is they were trying to find planet X, which is the planet that's that's believed to be orbiting around the sun out far past Pluto. And what they found in the direction they were looking, it was somewhat near Jupiter where the where they were looking. And they found out that there were some moons because Jupiter has such a large mass. There were moons that were orbiting around Jupiter that were even farther out than they had previously thought and they're they're hard to see so one of the quotes is as technology gets better and better we're able to look fainter and fainter and we're discovering smaller and smaller moons they used a 520 megapixel camera to find three of these damn so it's not even the one that's out in space it's the one this one's down in chile pretty cool man yeah jupiter's gravity is so strong the article says it can keep objects in orbit up to 18.6 million miles away Whereas Earth oh, moon, Earth's moon is 239,000 miles away. Yeah, it's a lot less. It's quite a bit less. Yeah. So for scientists out there discovering stuff in our solar system that's still relatively close, better at life than Skip Bayless. Thanks for taking up the science mantle uh, on this episode. Hey, somebody's got to do it. My better at life this week, Brandon, is for Teddy Bridgewater and the New York Jets. And... You know I have a soft spot for Teddy. You're a big fan of Teddy. I don't. I do. Th- anybody I, who's I, listened to, will not. They will not be surprised by you saying that. No, but apparently he's been playing very well in camp. They're giving him a full chance to earn the starter's position. At least that's what they're saying. But what I like about the way that they're kind of putting this out here about Teddy really just commanding the offense and being a, a really uh, great leader in. Uh, having all the things that uh, you're looking for in a quarterback 
is they're setting him up for the idea that he can be traded to a quarterback needy team. <laughs> Jacksonville. <laughs> um, like They're making it so that they're bringing up Teddy Bridgewater's trade value so that they, they can go ahead, make a trade here before the start of the season and get Teddy somewhere where he can get on the field. Get Teddy to the field. That's what I want to see. And the New York Jets are, are working towards that along with Teddy. Teddy's working his butt off in camp, really just balling out. And for that, Teddy Bridgewater and the New York Jets are better at life than Skip Bayless. I know. You're rooting for the guy. I mean, devastating injury to come back from. And he was on my list of quarterbacks that could play. <laughs> you really want him to succeed. Yeah. All right, Adam. Training camp. It's here. It's here. Next week, we'll be back. We'll be talking about what we've seen through the first week of training camp. I'm excited for that. Very much so. I'm going to be glued to it. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. After the fight, as Adam and Brandon eat raw bear meat from the bone, Mm -hmm. whilst Horatio entertains them with his Bolivian flute music. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time reading this. (laughs) All right, I'm going to help you out. Just picture Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold beach. Football is back, baby. Football's back.